Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, the show that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole and I have been road tripping, baby. Remember to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter and the Instagram and of course the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. If you are a patron of the show, that's over at patreon.com slash how good it is. Well, then you already know the answer to today's trivia question. As far as I can tell, there has only been one artist who has had a top 40 album in every decade since the 1960s. Uh, there are probably a couple who you can count if you include different band configurations. For instance, Paul McCartney would qualify if you included his work with the Beatles, but there is only one performer who has been consistently producing hit albums in every decade. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, teens, and now the 20s. Name that musician. I will have that answer and a little bit more at the end of the show. This time around, we are looking at Take On Me, the 1984 hit by AHA, which probably got its biggest boost from the rather innovative video that got a ton of airplay on MTV, which uh, combined live action with pencil sketch animation. And because we are talking about a band from Norway, well, you are hereby forewarned that I'm going to be sitting here butchering the Norwegian language in several spots. AHA started out as a band called Bridges in the late 1970s. They recorded and released their first album called Fackeltog in 1978, which was released in 1980. What you're hearing now is a track from that album called The Oncoming of Day. The delay between recording and release came because the band members were self-financing the recording and the publishing of the album. In 78 and 79, they continued touring as well, and they worked on recording another album, which they called Vakinat. However, release of Vakinat didn't happen because of tensions in the band, and they finally broke up without releasing it. Believe it or not, Take On Me starts here in 1978 or 79. It was originally a Bridges song that never made it to vinyl, not even for that unreleased second album. This is a Bridges track called Miss Eerie. It was also called the Juicy Fruit song by the band members because they thought it sounded a little bit like a chewing gum commercial. Now, some say Ms. Eerie appears on the Fackelstag album, but I've heard the album, and that track doesn't appear there under this title or the original title, which was Panorama. tell you most of it, it's not bad but it sounds 
exactly what a 1970s teenage band who had been listening to a lot of The Doors would sound like. In fact, Fackelstag sounds a lot like The Doors with a lot less of a beat poetry thing going on. I'm not sure when it was recorded, but this recording is from a bonus 45 that came with the book Down to the Tracks. That's a biography of the band that was published in April of 2020. You can still buy the book, of course, but you won't get the 45. That was a limited edition thing. Now, the core of Bridges would be uh, Paul Walker, uh, Waktar Savoy and Magne Furholmen. And while these guys were Norwegian, they had their sets uh, sights set on the English language market. So they moved to London to make their career. After about six months of getting nowhere, they returned to Norway. And it was at that point they met up with Morten Harkett, who knew them from attending the Bridges shows in the late 70s. He joined up with them and a new band was born. In the fall of 1982, they started putting together some demos, including this reworking of Miss Erie, which had been renamed Lesson One. The entire point of Lesson 1 was to show off Harkett's vocal range and that little howling thing he does there was the genesis of the high notes in the chorus of the final version. So now by January of 1983 they went back to London and they started looking again for a recording contract and part of putting together a new band for English speakers, for them anyway, was having a name that English speaking people could easily pronounce. Their initial focus was on Norwegian words that were easy for English speakers to say, but they kind of lucked out one day when Morton Harkett spotted the phrase aha in Waktar's songbook. Morton said in a Rolling Stone interview that it was a terrible song, but a great name. And it had the side benefit of being easy to both pronounce and understand in any language, not just English. Now, the story goes that they chose the studio of musician and producer John Ratcliffe because it had a Space Invaders machine in it. Ratcliffe also became the uh, band's manager later on, and he and Terry Slater partnered up to form a management company, with Ratcliffe handing technical and musical stuff and Slater dealing with the business end and working with the people at the Warner Brothers label. Thus encouraged, the band mixed those demos with electronic instrumentation. The band didn't like the way it sounded, so the album got remixed again. So at this point, Take On Me was finally in a shape where you pretty much recognize it, and the song was released in 1984. Now, the promotional video at that time was little more than the band playing the song in front of a blue background interspersed with shots of someone doing cartwheels. I swear I'm not kidding. A single was rushed out, but it only charted at number 134 in the UK. So, nope, it wasn't an awesome start for AHA. 
but Warner Brothers was interested enough now to give them an opportunity to record it again, this time at the record plant in New York City. And believe it or not, the song flopped yet again, probably because nobody in London was giving it a lot of support. Well, let me amend that a little bit. It was a top five hit in Norway and nowhere else. Finally, Andrew Wickham, the Warner Brothers executive who boosted the band in the first place, put AHA on a high priority by applying a lateral strategy, produce a great video, and then re-release the song. So here's where we can talk about that video a bit, because it's truly one of the more creative videos out there. Let's start with the plot. We open with a montage of comic book style pencil drawings involving motorcycle sidecar races in which the hero, who looks suspiciously like Morton Harkett, is pursued by two opponents. Next thing we know, we're in a diner and it turns out that the comic book is being read by a young woman sitting at a table and drinking coffee. She's so engrossed in the book that she doesn't notice the waitress dropping the check on the table. Now, the hero of the comic appears to wink at the young woman, and then suddenly we see his pencil-drawn hand reach out from the page to pull her in. Now we're inside the comic book, and the woman appears in pencil form as well. He sings to her, and he shows her around his black-and-white universe, which includes this kind of window where people look real on one side and like comic book characters on the other. We come back to the diner, and the waitress sees the coffee, the comic book, and the unpaid check, so she grabs the comic, she crumples it up, and she throws it in the trash. Meanwhile, back in the comic world, the opposing racers reappear, and they smash the window, trapping the woman in the comic book. The hero punches the bad guys and leads the woman down all kinds of comic hallways. They come to a dead end, and he tears a hole in the paper to let her escape. And the next thing we know, the woman is back in the real world with a bunch of diner guests and staff staring at her. She grabs the comic from the trash bin, and she runs home with it so she can find out what happens next. We see him lying sprawled out on the floor in the comic, and the woman starts to cry. But he then wakes up, and he tries to break out of the comic frames. The woman turns around, and she sees him in the hallway of her apartment. He's still in comic form, though, and he keeps slamming himself left and right against the doorframe. With each collision, he briefly turns human until finally he collapses to the floor and he becomes fully human, the two of them reunited in the real world. The comic book activity was created through a process called rotoscoping, uh, wherein live actors are traced over frame by frame to give animated characters realistic movement. If you've ever seen the uh, 1978 animated character uh, version of uh, Lord of the Rings or the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds segment of the film Yellow Submarine, that's rotoscoping. It took the artist four weeks to rotoscope about 3,000 frames. The video was directed by Steve Barron, and it was filmed both at a cafe and a soundstage in London. As far as the young woman, her name is Bunty Bailey, and she was Morton Harkett's girlfriend at the time. Believe it or not, it was not her first video. In fact, she had appeared in a video for Orchestral Maneuvers in the Darks, Talking Loud and Clear, the year before, and she's done a few roles since, but I think we can safely say this is the thing she's best known for. Warner Brothers released the video for airplay on television, including MTV, of course, and they sent it out to dance clubs for them to use it on their video monitors. And then a month later, they re-released the record. And this time, it finally caught on. It moved quickly to the top of the Billboard Hot 100, reaching the number one spot the week of October 19, 1985. 
It only spent one week at number one, but it was on the chart for 27 weeks altogether, and it wound up as the number 10 song of the year. In the UK, it entered the chart at number 55, and it stalled at number two for three weeks, held out of the top slot by The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush. In Norway, it finally reached number one over a year after its first release. It also topped the uh, Euro chart for nine weeks and was number one in 36 countries. And it's worth mentioning that the video reached one billion views on YouTube on February 17th, 2020. Only the fifth video from the 20th century to hit that mark. All of this makes AHA the first Scandinavian act to reach a billion YouTube views. And in fact, as of this recording, the video has over 1,082,000,000 views and counting. Take On Me was not AHA's one and only successful single in the U.S., but it was by far their most successful. They did release a few more albums. They had several more hits, provided the theme music for a James Bond movie, and they've had a couple of comeback tours, which has included this acoustic cover of Take On Me from 2017, which wound up being used in the film Deadpool 2. I'm to say I'll say it anyway Today is another day to find you shying away I'll be coming for your love, okay, and take on Their most recent comeback tour is intended to run until the end of 2020, despite cancellations and postponements because of the coronavirus pandemic. Has this song been covered? Oh, you bet. Here's a bit of the version by the ska band Real Big Fish, used in the soundtrack to the film Basketball. summer of 2000, a British-Norwegian boy band called A1 released their cover of the song from their second album. Except for the synth opening, it's practically a note-for-note -note remake, but it did do okay on the charts, making it to number one in the UK and in Norway. Here's a little bit of that. Okay, this one's kind of neat. It's not so much a remake as a DJ remix. This version drops the keyboard riff altogether and then adds some, I think it's marimba being played there. This version was released in 2015 as a kind of tropical house music.
And finally, there's Weezer. Their 2019 album of covers called The Teal Album covered the song pretty faithfully, as did most of the tracks on that album. This one didn't get a lot of attention, I think because most people were concentrating on their remake of Toto's Africa instead. But the video for this one is kind of fun. It, it, it's set in the year 1985, and it features Finn Wolfhard as a younger version of Weezer frontman Rivers Cuomo practicing this song with the rest of Finn's band Calpurnia as his backup players. The video features some shots of Calpurnia playing as rotoscope pencil sketch figures. And in this respect, you have to give Weezer some credit because whether you like their music or not, they do make some fun videos. I do have some bad news, though. The band Calpurnia, though, they broke up in uh, November of 2019. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you about the one and only musical act that has had a top 40 album in every decade since the 1960s. Now, the answer could change in the next few months, but as of right now, that artist is Bob Dylan. The flowers are dying like all things do. Follow me close, I'm going to Bali and Ali. I'll lose my mind if you don't come with me. His latest album is called Rough and Rowdy Ways, and it debuted at number two on the Billboard Albums chart last week, which makes him the only artist to have a charting album in every decade since the 60s. Now, I guess you could count Paul McCartney or Eric Clapton if you count their work with Beatles and Cream, and in fact, you could count Cher in that respect, and I'm sure a couple of others. Now, the Rolling Stones were working on an album when the pandemic hit, so they stopped work and they released the single Living in a Ghost Town. So chances are when that album is finally released, they can also be added to the list. But as of right now, Dylan stands alone, as he so often seems to do. I paint landscapes and I paint dudes. And that's another full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. And now you too can support the show over at patreon.com slash how good it is. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at How Good It Is. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. And finally, there is the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when your baby is doing the hanky-panky. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.